You have found the podcast of Trustler Mennonite Church. Each week we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service so that anyone who may have missed the sermon can catch it later. We want to especially thank those of you who missed the sermon because you were working with our youngest children during the service time. This sermon was from November 28, 2021. The sermon text was Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Thank you, Les. It's Les said, I trust and hope that you guys had a, a good Thanksgiving uh, week. As we continue to, to celebrate that and look forward to Christmas and what it is uh, that Christ has done for us there. But as you know, we are obviously working our way through the book of Ephesians. And to be honest with you, um, as we were working out our pre- preaching schedule uh, a month and a half, month, a couple months ago, um, I was a little bit disappointed. I preached Philemon right before Jeremy started uh, Ephesians a few weeks back, and I'm scheduled to preach the day after Christmas, which we're going to, uh, I'm going to preach a, a Christmas message then, not uh, from the book of Ephesians. And so I was a little worried that I wouldn't have the opportunity to preach um, from a book, a letter that is one of the ones that is most dear to my heart. Ephesians was the first in-depth Bible class that I took at Lancaster Bible College. And and even though it wasn't with my, it was probably with one of my least favorite professors, I I love that class and, and go back to it often. So when Jeremy asked me to cover for him today, I gladly agreed. To me, the letter to the church in Ephesus is 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 beautiful. The Holy Spirit, through Paul's pen, shows us what it is that God has done for us. He has adopted us. He has chosen us. He has redeemed us. He's made us part of his family. While we were spiritually dead, he gave us new life. And he did this through the sacrifice that Christ paid in our place on the cross. We can be confident in our salvation because he provides it for us with the very same power with which he resurrected Christ from the dead. Stop and think about that for just a little bit. The same power that resurrected Christ, that had the power to do that, is the one that has provided us salvation and the one that keeps us. I don't have to worry if his anger and his justice has been satisfied. He tells me that it has been and that I have been seated with Christ, and his power keeps me there. These are all things that, that Paul has, we've talked about over the last several weeks, and, and we'll continue to talk about. His love and his grace is so extravagant and lavished on us that he tells me that he, and he tells me that he is giving that to me as a gift. I cannot earn it. I will not earn it. I simply have to accept it as true, and it is all paid in full. And then to top all of this off, he gives me his spirit as a seal, as a promise, and as a helper. So that's what we've looked at so far in this letter. Um, Again, one of my favorites and one that I always go back to. In today's passage, Paul is going to continue to give us doctrine and theology and truth. But he begins to steer us down a little bit of a different path. One that's very important to him and one that should be important to us as well. And Les has touched on this already um, in that. So in the next couple chapters, he's going to uh, 
refer to it as a past mystery that God is now revealing to him and to them. That new, that new revelation, that change in their lives, was that two groups of people that were in times past separate are now becoming one. The Gentiles would now have the same access to God as that the Jewish people had, had had for centuries. So we're going to look at the three different ways this morning that Paul introduces this new revelation. First of all, he tells them to remember where they came from. Then he tells them to remember where Christ has brought them to now. And finally, he calls them to remember why he has brought them to this place, how it is to affect their lives and their actions. If you had come to our house this afternoon without ever having been there before, you would walk into our entryway and notice there's an old screen door there uh, that does not keep out the cold and it does not keep out the bugs. Um, in fact, there for a while, it was the only way that we could lock the house. And I'm like, what's the point of this? And it's like, whatever. Um, but you would notice that it's not heated. It's, it's really cold out there. Um, it's just a low ceiling. And then you go, we go from there on into the kitchen, and you would again notice how low our ceilings are, that you would notice how they dip and weave and are in no way level. The 1980s appliances and countertop and the sagging wallpaper that are still on the walls, uh, you would notice that. And as you worked on through the house, you would notice uh, how our floors go up and down and from room to room, and you can feel it as you walk. Um, you'd notice four small bedrooms and, a, and one bathroom. Nothing all that impressive in our house. It's just an old farmhouse that has some new paint and some new flooring. But if you had been there about four months ago, you would notice a pretty big difference. No more dark wood paneling or dated wallpaper. Uh, you can't see it anyway. It's painted. There's no pink or blue carpet. Um, everything... Uh, has now been painted bright white. The old curtains are gone, the cabinets are painted. There's new light fixtures, there's a new shower and countertop and shiplap walls have kind of transformed our bathroom a little bit. So if you have not seen our house before, we gave it a little bit of attention. Um, we'll be quick to show you some pictures so that you can appreciate it. It's interesting, we had Jamie and Char over uh, on uh, uh, Friday a little bit and and uh, Ethan was there, and Grace were there last evening, and they hadn't seen the place before. So we're quick to pull out our camera. Uh, Kyle will pull out our phone and say, this is what it, what it used to look like. And so we do that so that you can appreciate it. In the same way, Paul wants the Gentiles in Ephesus to appreciate and understand what Christ has done and was doing in their hearts and lives. So he uses these first couple verses here that Les read from us, in this section, to remind them from where Christ had brought them. He says in, a, in verses 11 and 12, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel 
and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. I think for us to gain a proper perspective and appreciation on where we are in our walk with Christ, it's important to remind ourselves where we came from. And Paul had just done this a few verses earlier in chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. He says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commanders of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Paul paints a very bleak but accurate picture of where we all were. We were dead. Not half dead, not almost dead. We were dead in our sin. We were hopeless. There were no straws to grasp for. We were done, done. We were gone. It was too late for CPR. The sheet had been pulled up over our heads. We were dead. Because of our sin, we were separated from God. So it's good to remember that. And for the Gentile, the chance for ever knowing God was extremely slim. The Jews who had God's message and knew of his good news and path to forgiveness looked down their noses at the Gentiles. They viewed them as unclean, so they would never take the chance on being defiled and sharing the good news with the Gentiles. It was extremely rare. So Paul says, he reminds them, you were without hope, destined to an eternity without Christ. However, the story doesn't end there. We know that. And Paul is reminding them where they came from, not where they were now. And it's good to look back at where we are to where we were to appreciate and better understand where we are now. What has Christ saved us from so we can better understand what he has saved us to? So even in our hopelessness in Christ there is hope. I'm so thankful that the next uh, verses start with the word but or in spite of or however. It all depends on what translation you look at. So I was thinking about this, that little three-letter word, but such, there's such a contrast there. You were dead, but now. And it's amazing. Stop and think about what that means. So in verses 4 to 10, Paul shows how we are reunited with God. Our relationship that was broken beyond repair because of our sin is now made right through the blood of Christ. And this is going back to, to what Jeremy and, and Joel have uh, already preached about, uh, and they've done that well. But I want to read it again because it's important for our passage today as well. Paul kind of uh, reworks this again in a little bit different way. So going back to, to verse 4, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth 
of his grace and kindness. Uh, and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So our relationship with God through the blood of Christ has been restored. And in verses 13 to 18, which we're looking at today, Paul states this again. But he also adds a little bit more to it. Not only are we made right with God, but our relationship with one another has been redeemed as well. The divide between Jew and Gentile has now been bridged. He says this in verses 13 through 18. So again, thinking back where we came from, we were dead, we were separated from God, we were separated as two different groups of people, uh, no hope there. He says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the law, the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. Our hostility toward one another was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews that were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. In the past, our relationship with God was dead. And the relationship between Jew and Gentile was as well. Along with our relationships with, with everyone else, with other people. Remember what happened when Adam and Eve sinned. Their relationship was damaged. They could no longer trust one another. There was jealousy. There was blame. There was shame. The perfection was gone. And of course it carried down to their children. We know the story of how their son Cain killed his brother Abel. And on through history, the curse lives on. We cannot get along with other people because of our sin. But, in spite of the curse of sin, and however, again, we go from those words, we were dead, we were separated, but Christ. Christ has prepared our relationship with God and with each other. I'm not sure that we can, living today, can fully appreciate uh, the Jew and Gentile thing. I mean, it's interesting to go back and, and read um, about Peter and having his uh, vision about to go meet with Cornelius and to go to his house. I don't think we can quite fully appreciate what exactly was going on there. We don't live uh, in that time like the Ephesian church did and, or the churches in Rome that we uh, have just worked through as we work through Romans. We didn't live then. We don't understand exactly all what was going on. But who is our modern-day Gentile? Who do we say, who do I say, is just way too unclean for Christ's blood to be able to cleanse? And I'm afraid that their sin will rub off on me. 
Of course, we'd never say it out loud. But what goes through our mind when we, when we see somebody with a Joe Biden sticker? Or if you have the Joe Biden sticker with a Trump sticker? What's our reaction when we cross paths with a Muslim? <laughs> or a Planned Parenthood supporter? What's our reaction to a murderer, a rapist? Somebody that, that thinks differently than us in a long ways. Or someone of a different ethnicity than our own. Who in our minds does not deserve God's grace? And of course we'd never say it, but who would we rather see die and spend eternity in hell than for God to work a miracle in their lives? Christ has made us alive and restored our relationship with God and our relationship with those we come in contact with. We are to spread this good news to everyone. And if they, like us, accept that good news as truth, they become our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we are now one. Our relationship is restored with each other as well. So Paul reminds them where they once were, where the work of Christ has now brought them, and he reminds them why God then has brought them to this place. In the previous section that, that we have already looked at, he says in verse 10, For we are God's, work, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. So he tells us where we were, he tells us what Christ has done for us, and he says, because of this, we're God's masterpiece, his workmanship. And he's created us so that, so that people can see what he's done and he's created us for good things, works that he's planned for us long ago. So he saves us for good works. In today's passage, Paul says... Uh, in verses 19 to 22. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him. Becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So why do we put so much time and effort and money into fixing up our house? We needed a safe, clean, and somewhat comfortable place for our family to live. And even though sometimes when we're waiting in line to get into the bathroom, it does get a little uncomfortable, we've, I think we've accomplished that. We've given them a, a safe, clean, uh, comfortable place to live. We took something uh, that was not those things and transformed them into something new for a purpose, for a reason. And God has brought us from death into life for a purpose as well. And that's to produce good works. And one of those good works is to live as a body with our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
to love one another in spite of our cultural and ethnic differences, to put one another ahead of ourselves, even though we may, we may be at different walk, places in our Christian walk. Paul says that we, along with all Christians, are a temple where God is to be worshipped. Our relationship with other believers reflects our love for him. Again, I'll say that again. Our relationship with other believers reflects our love for God. How well are we at being that temple? As I said last week during our foot washing time, I'm beginning to learn that my relationship with God is codependent on my relationship with others. And saying that, I mean, how can I say that I love God if I don't love those that he died for as well? And how can I love others without the love of God living in me? As in many of his, le- of his other letters, Paul's going to focus on this for much of the rest of Ephesians as we continue to, to work through there in the coming weeks. So as we do that, let's remember these three things. One, how we were dead. Let's remember where we came from. Let's remember what Christ has done for us. He's given us life. When we were hopeless, he brought hope. But let's also remember that God has given us new life and placed us in his family and has called us to live in unity with our brothers and sisters in him. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Trussler Mennonite Sermon from November 28, 2021. The passage was from Ephesians 2, 11-22. Take care. Let not your heart be troubled. His tender word are here. And resting on his goodness, I lose my doubts and fears. Though by the path he leadeth, but one step I may see. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy, I sing because I'm free, for his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know